I should have done this earlier. I just rushed in the door and it's okay. Yeah. Don't worry. We are a very professional outfit. Hey, welcome to Marginally, a podcast about writing, work, and friendship. I'm Megan, a librarian turned freelance book indexer and proofreader, working on a novel while raising two boys with my husband and making PB&Js by the dozen. And I'm Olivia, a corporate drone, living in Eastern Europe, also working on a novel and daydreaming about lots of other projects. In today's episode, we're going to be talking to my yoga teacher, actually, Divya Kohli. Divya teaches yoga and meditation for the whole being, a practice that can enliven our bodies, minds, and consciousness and help us through our path in life. She's London-based, and she's been a dedicated practitioner of yoga since 2000. She's been a full-time senior-level teacher since 2006, offering community classes, retreats, and bespoke tuition. I've been to her community classes and her retreats, and they're great. A former newspaper journalist, she also has a continued passion for writing, and she enjoys using words like we use the breath in yoga as a way to connect more fully. I just have always felt that she has such a really positive attitude towards yoga and towards life. She's just very engaged with the, the world and with life, but also has so much wisdom. So she'll introduce a little bit more about her background because it's sort of part of her story and I think very relevant to kind of the writer's journey overall. But writing has always been a really big part of her life and we really enjoyed talking to her about the kind of overlap in practice of yoga and writing and the different lessons that you can kind of take back and forth between both of those practices. Thank you so much for coming on, Divya. We're really excited to have this conversation with you. We have lots of questions, but I guess, can you just tell us about yourself, Divya? Well, hello, and thank you for even thinking of me for your podcast, which is in itself a great idea what you're both doing. So let's congratulate you both on that. And you both come across really well. So enjoy listening. So I, um, I think I've always loved writing since I could write. I would say that's a kind of fair thing to say and writing be it stories or um, encapsulating information is, is, is just there it's one of, alongside reading from as young as I can remember and from quite an early age I wanted to be a journalist which definitely connected to the writing element and also just interested in what's going on around me and capturing that in words. A long story short there I I did train to be a journalist in the end after studying literature and went into UK press newspapers and throughout all of that trajectory, love the writing, love the, again, putting information in a way that not only felt accessible, but was trying to bring out what needed to be brought out, I suppose, or obviously subjective from my point of view. And throughout that whole period from youth to and training to be a journalist and being a journalist is a parallel motivation, which will sound very grand, but hey-ho, <laughs> is that kind of using the context of putting something into words as a way of not just sharing information, but trying to expose truths or get away to truth, I suppose. And I was, I was conscious of that at the time. It's not a sort of hindsight thing. And, and based on that, I left journalism. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I, I'm that old. I left. Well, I, in fact, the day I left the paper I was working for was the day it went digital. This is the Guardian, who I actually think did and still do a great job, certainly online. And they were pioneers in that. I didn't leave because it went digital. I just <laughs> it was more the lifestyle, actually, more than anything that got to me in the end. And you know, certainly wasn't finding it en- enjoyable. It was just way too pressured and, and all the politics and media which is even more so now, so I don't know how I'd, I'd find it now, but at that time even, I was just questioning the way things were presented and priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, although it wasn't a conscious decision to leave um, media or journalism per se, I just took some time out from newspapers but ended up working for book publishers. I would have loved to have done the editing side of that. I just love books, um, as I know you both do, and obviously, but you know, just being around books was a joy. I was more involved in marketing and directing the way books were then put out there. So I was doing that for, for a while and some other things. So alongside the journalism in my 20s, I got into yoga. Was it accident? Is anything accident? I don't know. I 
stumbled across a class. I wasn't looking for a class, literally on my way home. And this particular class, my first ever introduction to yoga, happened to be taking place in the room above the pub that was my local. <laughs> and so I was going to go to my local and there were people outside with their yoga mats, which I didn't even know what they were. Again, I'm that old. This is pre-yoga dominating you know, the world's uh, mindset, as it were, all being out there. <laughs> it, anyway, it turned out they were not going to the pub, this line of people with their mats in their backs. They were going upstairs to do a class. And they sold it to me on the basis that it was a lovely room with candles and I would enjoy myself. <laughs> I didn't really get any exercise before then at all. Um, I drank, I smoked, I was a journalist, swore like a trooper, so as he is, archetypal journalist at that time. <laughs> so um, so I, I went to this class and I was hooked. I can remember it like yesterday and I can't remember most things like yesterday. So, and I didn't know at the time, I had nothing to compare it to, but the teacher was, for want of a better phrase, real deal. You know, she was living it, being it, breathing it. Uh, she was also, God knows how old, uh, no one knew her age, but at least over 70, probably, you know, and amazing, amazingly mobile and but had a spiritual aura around her. She was a British lady. So from that very night, I got home, I started buying books off the internet about yoga and I developed my own home practice from then pretty much. So I would go to this class and did my own practice every day. I wasn't using internet or anything, just books. So that was carrying on whilst I still joined the journalism and moved into the book publishing. And then the more I got immersed into the yoga, I was doing training courses just to develop my knowledge about it, not, not with any intent to teach. Uh, there's a whole other story which I will not bore you or your listeners with as to how I got into teaching that's not really going to be particularly relevant now and I'll just waffle on about that but it's a good story though I think I've heard it you've heard it yeah well so I try and condense it do my editing on myself do you do you find you you do that you find you as writers with your mindset you you're conscious now even in conversations do you find that oh, absolutely yeah 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 it's annoying actually I wish I could turn it off yeah. <laughs> editing process yeah I, I hear you it's, it's a skill though isn't it and so I, well, I'd done various teacher trainings and then I'd, I was in India um, doing a residential training, which was for some number of months. It's a crazy set of months. The schedule was, was mad, six days a week, 5 a.m. to 8 p.m., plus homework. <laughs> so when you're supposed to do mm. I lost my hair, I got ill, and I nearly died. You know, just the usual, covered head to foot in mosquito bites. So uh, fantastic uh, yoga learning experience, but but of course. I mean, I you know, the, the actual learning and we understand learning to be in doing courses, quotes and quotes here, it, it was more, I was, it was a baptism of fire and just living in a way and coping with everything that I was used to and not having it anymore. So from, you know, having your things nicked and surviving perpetual power cuts and lack of hot water and uh, pneumonia to losing your hair to just everyday things not going your own way so in a way it's, you know that that's definitely and in hindsight can share it now and think oh yes you know that that <laughs> developed something in me or, or I'd say the opposite actually kind of took away a lot of attachments not that I don't have them now but probably know that I'm not so reliant on them when I came back from that course I was mentally ready to step back into journalism um, I'd done what I needed to you know, fed whatever voice in my head needed to be spoken to and whilst I was looking for work I think at that time freelance work it was it was winter it's snowing I had no money I had nowhere to live uh, you know, my friends are now graduated from flats to houses to husbands all of that so I'm just this like okay um was determined not to move home was determined to just find a way of managing the the shock of being back and in fact it was my mother on the phone who said well she said if you're not going to come home why don't you go and teach yoga you've done like three or four trainings now what's wrong with you <laughs> well um yeah and I was I, the reason I was reluctant wasn't necessarily a confidence thing but I just I'd had in my vision that you know a yogi is a yogi is almost asked by a senior yogi to deliver the teachings it, it felt presumptuous to to present oneself as a yoga teacher doesn't that sound funny nowadays to, to think that but you know it just felt you know, yeah a, a presumptuous thing to do but you know for the sake of survival and doing something whilst I thought I was going to go back to where 
I was in my career. I eventually found a class and, and it was yeah, it was that very day when all transports down, you know, snow up to your knee. And bearing in mind, I just come back from 45 degree heat as well. And I accepted a class that was, of course, the other side of London, you know, and, and it took me over two hours to get there. I've never taught a class in my life, but, um, you know, I need the work. So I took it. Got there, you know, most people who would have been in that class weren't there. As any sane-minded person would have stayed home on that particular afternoon. But there were three, there were three people. And I taught, and I think even, it wasn't even to the end of the class, at some point in that class, I felt so alive and so in it and with it. Not, not like a happiness, but just so connected to within and whatever was happening around me. And walked home after that in the snow, shivering, and thought, oh, my word, um, I, th- I think I'm going to have to do do that. It, it felt like n- no longer a choice or even something to mull over, perhaps a bit like the way you guys write. You just, you have to do it. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, it wasn't all sort of pretty after that. It was then years of graft to make a living out of it and find your way. And yoga itself is it's a spiritual way of being not just a job so it brings up your own angst and questioning uh, again perhaps like mirrors writing in that way no I think as you were talking and sort of as you said towards the end for me like everything that you said about sort of that moment where you just think of you know that's what I need to do yeah I think for us definitely or I, I guess I'll speak for myself that that is that feeling once and I was just thinking about it the other day when I was a little bit frustrated with, you know, my progress on my book or something like that. But then I read some stupid link. It had nothing to do with this. But basically, immediately then thought, like, wow, I've actually sort of taken this story that I felt I really needed to tell. And I've sort of like, you know, just sat down with it. And this idea of a practice and this idea of the kind of dailiness of it is so everything that you're saying on that is so relevant. And also the mix between that feeling, okay, I need to do this. And then the graft of actually doing it, right? And how do you kind of do that? I think I have a question on that. But before we do that, I wanted you to maybe talk about you're also writing in the margins of your life as well. So do you want to talk about your writing project? (laughs) Yeah, it's a beautiful way of putting it. And um, we are so having this conversation at the wrong time. (laughs) so a bit like who am I to teach yoga the the, the thoughts have long been who am I to write a book but to to confess not so much a confidence thing but more of a what is a writer am I a writer do you just presume yourself you're a writer and I've heard different views on that but that aside I uh, long use the excuse of well I don't have the time to write (laughs) and then when I look that in the eye you know well you you create obviously the time it's then been well uh you know, what, what will you write about however on the ideas front I think it's a double-edged sword for me on that front I, I have all the ideas and the stories in fact every day this is stories coming to my head I don't do you either of you have that mm, definitely yes and then it's usually either from walking or in the bath where that story then develops into something which I'm fascinated by I think, oh that could be a book and so there's there's notepads around the flat, there's bits on my phone, there's you know things on the back of magazines where all these ideas come. And then I just think, well that's well that's nice. Now get on with you know what you need to do. So I my first attempt at actually, okay, I'm going to try and write a book started just before the summer, so not long before we're talking now. And actually when I when I decided I'd try, I spent a few days this is just the way I approached it you know there's nothing to say that uh, this is what I thought was right all the way it's just the way I approached it I, I spent a few days looking at my diary from from that day over the next few months and trying to be realistic as to when I could spend try and spend some time each day to write which as you said is a daily practice and then if because of the nature of your podcast I'll share some more nerdy little bits but feel free to sort of say okay okay that's enough and we love the nerdy bits yeah it's exactly what I was gonna say things like um all right look, we're, we're gonna go for the daily practice of this amount of time every day and then um, I'd be like okay what would be acceptable that's the aim so then it would be like okay five out of seven days for this amount of time would be acceptable although aiming always for every day in this amount of time mm-hmm. you know so that you don't you know, you know there's the ambition and the realism 
And I think I spent a day or two asking myself, well, you know, when do you feel, alongside your commitments, work commitments, that is, and other commitments, when do you feel you're in flow? Because knowing that you're not always going to know that or have that. And um, I used to, think, well, I am, an, I am a night person. However, interestingly, I had a hunch that it was morning that the writing would be more and flow and and I think I got that from meditation practice actually because mm. being at one with things I certainly find um, more accessible in the morning in the evening so when I say I'm a night person you know I do physically I feel more vibrant in the evening which is an interesting thing that actually mentally more quiet in the morning though physically in the evening although one hopes ultimately we can be both either so anyway so there was that and then I did make some very solid decisions uh, work-wise. I, goodness gracious me, I culled some classes. I asked clients if I could switch things around. And, and, and you know, the grand scheme of things, this means nothing, right? But to me and my world and my life and my job and surviving, that was um, quite, quite significant, you know, to mm-hmm. try and rearrange your life around this, but not completely, but where I thought. And even let go of a couple of work commitments, which would mean not having certain things or not going on holiday or whatever. Um, and again, I'm not saying this is in any way the way, but I, you know, what I know of me, and I think when you approach things when you're a bit older, you can you get to know your habits and patterns. So I, you know, the structure, the knowing what you could just about go without, but knowing also what what you couldn't, even if you think you could if that makes any sense mm-hmm. mm, yeah yeah so I was quite like planning it and then it got to the point where I should have cracked on <laughs> <laughs> it becomes procrastination doesn't yeah. it yeah the planning yeah but I think you know what I think I'd done my planning so well that it becomes so watertight that it, it was like my entry now is you know had to be just as perfect mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's hindsight so um I don't know, Olivia, if I've, I mentioned this to you when, when we've met in yoga, but the, you know, I was going to do the grand dive in now, which was plan a trip abroad based around the starting of the book. <laughs> so in fact, I had these certain holiday plans. Um, in fact, I let down a whole group of close girlfriends who booked a villa in Ibiza and I said, I'm really sorry and, and, and pissed them all off mightily. And um, so I let down them. I let down a, a non-off ex and said, no, I'm not going on holiday with you, but we won't go down that road now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not a, a, a bad decision there. And then I started looking for somewhere where I could write a book. And I, You haven't told me this. I just picked up from Instagram and other social media that you had started the book, but you didn't tell me your strategy. So it's perfect. Strategy, exactly. That is my middle name. <laughs> And uh, probably my last name is Adapting Strategy. But anyway, and then and I thought, okay, well, you know what, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy all this strategizing, actually. So then I set myself the task of, you know, where could I start this book? And you know, on the Airbnb, looking for places and googling writing retreats. And I mean, writers retreats. Goodness me, I mean, you need to be a millionaire's retired or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they, they weren't about to happen. Um, so then I just. Again, I looked at myself, you know, when, when do I feel in flow? What do I need? So there's some basic things, quiet, but near amenities so that, you know, when and if I needed something, it wasn't such a drag and somewhere that did feel, this is an interesting one, somewhere that felt inspiring, but not too inspiring because otherwise I wouldn't sit at my desk and write. So so actually I'd, I'd gone to Florence late spring and, Perhaps I should mention that because that that kicked off a real desire to be creative. So actually, I missed that point. So that you know, there's the, there's the brewing idea in the mind to write a book. Um, I'd planned this trip to Florence. Actually, that was supposed to be with the ex, but that uh, that's when we ended it. And I went on my own. Um, and um, and in in Florence, from from day one, I was just I felt so inspired. Have you ever had that with somewhere you've been? Yeah. Yes. And Florence is amazing. I mean, there's so much. Yeah, I can see feeling that way there, too. Yeah, I felt very naive. I felt like some young person who'd been dropped in some magical place. My eyes wide open. Mm, Lucy Honeychurch. Right, exactly. Yeah. But then I also felt a lot of sensations, which I think, you know, the yoga kind of brings out more sensitivity to. So physically, viscerally, I was feeling, oh, I need to, I need to, 
I need to pour something out. I need to create or something. And I, I, I knew I wasn't an artist or a builder or anything like this. But yeah, and, and came back very much almost not new, not different, but like a whole other layer had been brought out of me. I'm not sure it's the right way of describing, but yeah, and then and then started the strategizing. So yeah, that was quite a significant part of it. But what it what the Florence trip had also interestingly shown me, I can tell totally overthink these things, right? <laughs> Just get down there, right? <laughs> but anyway, the Florence trip also showed me that you know I was so taken by it that you know, I I would either be in it and feeling inspired, and then the lodging I was in when I'd come back, or you know when I. I would then want time to just absorb that inspiration, you know, and to have so rather than capture it, I wanted to absorb it, which felt very meditative actually. So mm. I knew if I took myself off to exciting or for the senses too much, that you know that 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 might happen. That just the mundaneness of sitting and writing might feel like, well, why would I want to do that when I'm in this place? Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. I think I whittled down my shortlist on Airbnb for about 20 to 3 and then you know, lots of various conversations and blah, 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 blah. And then found this little place in the north part of the island of Crete. And I knew I liked Crete. I'd been there before. I hadn't been to this particular part of the island. And it almost felt like in the end it was meant to be, although I'm, I'm, I'm very questioning, but also have a lot of optimism at the same time, which you might be able to relate to as well but you know, question everything but have this kind of faith and um so it was a place completely coincidentally owned by a yoga teacher and she was off for the summer renting out her little place which was 20 meters from the sea and a beautiful sea so I thought great and we negotiated a long-term sort of rental price and that was it off I went not knowing what would happen also giving myself the option of well, you know, I do need a holiday. And if I love it so much, I won't be hard on myself if I don't write. Yeah, I know. And um, which, yeah, I'm sure there's some questions on that. You know, the, the difference between, um, I think you might mention the past complacency and, and acceptance, right? Yes. Right. However, the investment of time, money, and I deliberately told some people what my plan was. I was not going to because I haven't written anything. You know. I'm off to Greece to write a book, you know, just sounds ridiculous <laughs> but I deliberately told people for accountability yeah mm-hmm. so that I knew that they'd say right have you written anything and, 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 and you know I'd let down friends and all of this and and you know I'm self-employed so it is definitely an issue and normally in the summer I don't take more than a week off or something like that so it was a lot riding on it but on the other hand you know life's short I'm not gonna beat myself up but so I got there and the place was great arrived late in the evening Went to bed, got up in the morning, sat in the balcony of this place, which is one of the requirements, have a balcony. So, yeah, so, um, mm-hmm. And opened the laptop, expecting either nothing or going over all these hundreds of story ideas that had shown themselves over the last year or so. So I, I thought, you know, I, I thought I'd be quite mechanical about it and go over old ideas and then sketch them out. Mm-hmm. But what happened was I opened the laptop and this story came in my head just just came this character so I get started with the woman and uh, so I'm sitting on the balcony having my tea just thinking you know have a nice enjoyable morning and pretend I'm trying to write but, but anyway this story appeared and um I hadn't written down anything and then it it carried on appearing and carried on and carried on then this will happen you know and then she does this and then this it's, it's about an hour and then I opened up a word document my laptop I thought, oh, well, I better jot this down. I don't know where this has come from. I'm, you know, as I write, remember it. And so that's about three hours in total, that, that moment. That, and, uh, and then I just sat back. I think I made some breakfast and thought, what just happened there? And what's that story about? And where did that come from? And why now? I still can't tell you right now any of the answers to that. Maybe for the passing of time. But it's sort of magic, right? How those ideas come. Yeah. So you have that? You know this? You... Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm. for sure. <laughs> yeah, we did a writing prompt uh, earlier, like last month, and I sat down, I just had this vision. And then suddenly I had this really, really weird story that I would have, no- if you'd read it to me, I would have not thought that I wrote it, you know? So it's amazing what you have that's just like there if you make space for it. Nice. I think making space, but the it's, it, I do think also the 
well, who knows the lucky souls to whom a story appears, but there's quite a lot of contrivance that built went up to that point, right? So to get me to that place, like literal space, not just mental space. Yeah. I think I am quite influenced by that. I'm not necessarily proud of the fact that my environment affects my creativity, but it does. You know, I'd, I'd love to say it doesn't, but it does. I then spent the mornings on that trip writing. Um, I think the first week was good. I got a chapter down a, a day, which is wow. in, in my eyes and for me. You know, it's like, oh. The second week I, I shifted, actually. I moved to the mountains. So actually, I changed my location. Ah, this is interesting talking to you about this, actually. So I, then I got too inspired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, it wasn't that the mountains was anything that, that would totally bowl you over. That it was quite arid and not much there. But I was quite taken. Um, and I might, I might ask you if you've had these, this experience. I was taken by the quality of the silence there. And I was like, wow, I do not want to fill this with my thoughts. Have you ever had this? I haven't, but I'm really interested by that. I when I like if I have a good view or especially if it's something particularly vast, then I have a hard time. I just stare and I have a really hard time fixing on it. And I wonder if that's what it is. I've never thought about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was not so much what my eyes were seeing. It was also beautifully warm and I you know, I love that. I absolutely love the heat. But so I was shrouded in the heat. Um these the sounds were, um, it's quite windy, the south of Crete now that I'm in, so you could hear the breeze. Felt very warm and at ease, no one around. The sound of goat bells in the background and the picturesque Crete turquoise sea and stillness. I guess, you know, I live in, uh, Megan, I live in inner city London, so that, you know, the contrast is there. And I felt held in that stillness. And I think because I practiced, this meditation, which is always all over the place, still is, but it felt like oh, this is meditation. And why would I want to overlap this or interrupt this with writing? So that's what happened there. Mm-hmm. Again, is that an excuse? I don't know. But I, I, I try to, as I'm sure you both do, look at our excuses and then hold it so that I'm bigger than the excuse, if that makes sense. And then say, is that an excuse or is that right now how it needs? to be you know there's no point fighting it so that you know I looked at that and I was like no I don't I don't know when and if or when let's say not if I'll have this quality of stillness being experienced within me and around me so I think I'm just going to be with this um I I, I love music as Olivia knows as well and I didn't play music for a week which is for me like unheard of <laughs> well I wonder if this is a good time to talk about that question Megan's question about this complacency versus acceptance so as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking about one of the things um, in my own meditation practice is like the letting go of striving. And yeah. I think especially in the West, we can view yoga and meditation as a productivity tool and something that can just make us better at what we do. And, you know, this competitive, competitive practice in a way. And so I guess that's definitely one of the things. And, and as you're describing, you know, being there, I think it's really amazing that you were able to just look around and, and you know, say as an, ex- as an excuse, is it not? And at the end of the day, who cares? <laughs> you know, I'm going to enjoy this and let go of the striving yeah. and, you know, my, my ambitions and, and just be in this space. And I think... I think as writers and as, you know, my own personality, I, I tend to have a hard time letting go of my list and my to-dos yeah. and being gentle with myself when I do so that I can get back to it when I need to. We've talked a lot about like resting as you go and how, how that can be really difficult. And it's it's sort of all bound up together. But yeah, to circle back around and sort of make sense of all this babbling. Not at all. You're showing great awareness of all the all that goes on. The, the, you're being realistic in the sense of acknowledging that you do have expectations and lists and, and that you're probably also aware of what will happen if I don't commit to this practice. Will it slide, you know, and, and, mm. and why am I doing what I'm doing? But I think the very fact that you're aware and you're questioning it as you go along is probably going to hold you well, is holding you well. well <laughs> we can always hope. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think I have a harder time letting go and practicing the acceptance mm. and and I guess it comes out of a fear of complacency although I don't think yeah 
I've probably never been complacent in my life, but so that's a good starting point as a strong part of your personality. And yeah, and that's okay. It doesn't define you, but it's real. So it's it's a it's a piece in the puzzle. So that's fine. When you say letting go, letting go of what? When you say you have a hard time letting go, letting go of what? It's like, I, I think Olivia is much better at it than I am. But you know, perhaps this is the just comparison trap that we, we all fall into. But the idea of, you know, I think as writers, and it was really interesting to hear you tell your story, because I really feel like you could have been, you know, telling mine minus the, I decided to leave journalism in college, probably about the same time that you left it in real life because it was turning into something that wasn't what I'd imagined. But but the whole reason behind going into words as a way to connect and tell truths and, mm. um, you know, that's share knowledge, that's something that uh, is still a big part of my life. So to me, writing has, there's a purpose to it besides just writing in a notebook that nobody is ever going to read. And how do you hold, it's sort of that idea of sukha, you know, where you're holding, you know, where, <laughs> where you're holding tension and ease at the same time and how do you hold the ambitions I want my writing to be read and I want it to be you know I want it to reach other people but at the same time I don't want to get so caught up in that that I can't do it anymore or that it comes across false or that that becomes more important than the writing itself right just a train of thought here and and you express all this so well which I can't help but think it will just keep you going but anyway that um Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've practiced often on yoga for probably 20 years also. So Okay, there you go. Not to the degree that you have. What is my practice? What does yours look like? What's going on yeah, it's, me? <laughs> it's, it's in my molecules now, whether I want it to be there or not. Um, luckily, I want it. Yeah, there you go. Once it's there, it's felt. And it shows itself in different ways, doesn't it? I mean, yoga can start as that class that we do and that sequence that we do. But then it, it does it um, in your molecules is fantastic I think that's the name it should be a name of my yoga book if I can <laughs> well, you, you're welcome to it it's all yours <laughs> you go you're in the acknowledgement there <laughs> that's what, it's where we're trying to get to but I, I you can apply that to your writing so I think you know you're you're doing the practice you're doing the writing a, a thought that just comes into my mind now is if you were tied to the outcome let's just sum that bit up I don't think you would persist because it's not enough is it it's it's too much to take on and to stay with mm. solely for outcomes. So I think, you know, that would fall by the wayside or, and, you know, I could be wrong. Maybe we read online these articles of, you know, you can write this book like this and we'll show you and you'll have this published X, Y, Z. And, and people do. And um, don't they, they, they become what is perceived as a successful writer. And they, that was their whole ambition to get published mm. and get the numbers. So there is that route how that person is feeling and who they are personality-wise, we don't know. And it's not a judgment, maybe for some. It's okay, actually, to write for outcome, right? Mm. I do know some, and not well, but know of and heard them speak extensively, some yoga teachers who've published books. And these two or three I'm thinking of now have each sort of shared in their own way that um, there's books they've written that were very deliberate. So meaning to get published, knew that they'd get read, the topic was hot, you know, etc. But they felt horrible inside or empty. It's that connection, isn't it? Yeah, but the book's out there. And and actually, mm. I'm, now I'm thinking of a couple of them in their own ways, talking about these particular books that they put out. They've said that, you know, a year after it being published, it doesn't really even figure in their imagination anymore. It's, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of, it, it isn't something that, as you rightly have just put, it isn't connected with. But the book's out there and you know, they've done it. Whereas when they've kind of been stirring over books or not books, but writing that is to convey something so important to them and feel that they need to express, um, these teachers that I'm thinking about have said that, well, firstly, they find it harder <laughs> to, to um, not necessarily write, but to to make it into a writing and into a book and to express what is so meaningful to them. It's taken longer, but they wouldn't have it any other way or, or perhaps mm. couldn't have it any other way. I think our own persistence in wanting to go back to something um, in itself tells us that we're not just in it for the outcome. But I often say this with yoga practice or even when 
we go to class you know just getting to class we're human we need that motivation it's all very well saying i'm coming to yoga to be present when sitting for my meditation now to be present and accepting well what's actually going to get you to sit there and get you to class and make that time and make that space in your life we're human beings we need some motivation most of us aren't saints gurus and even the saints and gurus i tell you they're you know (laughs) <laughs> they're, not, they're all cracked. Well, they're all cracked out to me. But, you know, we need some motivation, and part of that might be to, to have an outcome to at least get you to the writing table or to the yoga mat. But I think once you're there, what's real and felt will be shown. In terms of how to, to manage that, I'm sure there's many ways. Many experienced writers perhaps have a lot more they can share with you on that than I, but using the, the yoga meditation comparison, I keep an eye on my patterns and either mentally or writing down. Mm-hmm. And I have regular check-ins with myself, you know, what's going on with you, but not in a critical judgment fashion. You know, I've, I've become my own best friend, should we put it like that? So, you know, um, okay, so why didn't you write that week, Divya? Come on. Or why are you doing this? So, I'm just constantly questioning why I do what I do and why I don't do what I don't do. But in a way of that's my self-development and that's that's more powerful self-development than me being told by someone external what they think I should be doing or who I should be. And I'm, I'm pretty sure the yoga practice has helped me do that because you, you are being asked as a yogi to be your own master mistress, you know, you're... We're doing the practices to give us the tools to make the call on our own being. So I do that as I go along. But I use that as part of life rather than, oh, now I have to <laughs> look at my patterns. And that's, you know, it's like that. I forget the, um, which is appalling, whichever Greek bod it was that said, you know, what is life if it's not examined? Well, the unexamined life is not living. So for me, that's part of life to to look at. Am I doing this for outcome, or why am I doing this? And, and then it changes as well, doesn't it? As we get as the time goes on, um, why we're doing things might change. And if it's truly not resonating anymore, then we need the brave conversation with ourselves. Do I carry on, or is it complacency? Is it because I'm not being successful that now I want to move away from this, or I'm not, you know, or it's yoga or meditation you know I don't feel you know, I'm getting the progress there or I'm not looking a certain way or I'm not finding more calm in my life or you know the the book wasn't well received or it's not getting published and so is is the reason to let that go that I think there comes a time when the voice is loud to let something go or step away and then whilst it's perhaps still a gray area we stay with it until it becomes clearer Time lets us get to know ourselves more. So um, I think I've generally had a self-awareness interest. I I don't know where that's from. So I've always been interested in why I do what I do. I think if you just apply that as you go along, then, then you know. Complacency is quite a harsh word, isn't it? But I think, you know, I think if you're working, you have a job and you're writing, again, it's... It's probably not great advice. It's just how I take it. I probably wouldn't use the word complacency. It just sounds too, funnily enough, I'd prefer lazy. But anyway, <laughs> or, um, or you know, just, I don't know, something a bit more temporary. I don't complacency sounds like a personality trait, whereas lazy sounds like, you know, at that time or right now I'm feeling lazy, if this makes mm. I think uh, to, to just bring it more into the temporal and that is so my book stalled <laughs> um, and, they do that yeah and um, I was I didn't know that it would I thought it would stall because my story is just so bloody complicated and it's like, you know I'm literally have my head in my hands right now thinking what why why this story you mad uh, you know, because um, I, I can write you know I can string sentences together and I can almost play the game if I should say that so I could have just picked something a lot more straightforward and um, you know, all these other ideas I had I probably could have written the book by now this story is I can't help but think this has deliberately shown itself to 
to rock me left, right, center. But so I've been using the excuse, oh, this story is complicated. But actually, there was a personal event in my life a couple of months ago. I was literally stopped in my tracks. I could, I, words would not flow. The next, mm. it was in fact hours actually after this event had taken place. This personal, you know, life stuff. Uh, nothing flowed. Nothing was coming through, and it was like a wall, mm-hmm. classic mm. block. A bit of a choke in my throat. Uh, that a few hours later, actually, which is interesting because in yoga, obviously, throat is communication. Yeah, it relates to your communication channels. So, in fact, when I even think back on it now, a couple of months, my throat is tightening. Mm. Could not communicate. And I've stepped back from that the last six weeks and I'm watching it and I'm like, are you using that life event to get you out of continuing with your ridiculously convoluted (laughs) 30 decades spanning story? And I'm like, no, actually, Um, it's something has happened to affect my emotions and my uh, flow. And that's okay. It's 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 slowly subsiding, and as it's subsiding, now let's try and return to it. So I think I mean that's amazing. The symbolism and literal and figurative kind of block that you're talking about, but I think it's completely normal. You know, like I think that has happened to me probably in a less poetic way than what you've just described. But for sure, getting blocked and just thinking that you have like no way out or the story is over or something and sometimes just giving things the space if it's if you're supposed to write it something will come to you that will get you out of that position or that will show you what you're supposed to do and it will seem really obvious later but you won't you wouldn't be able to think you can't force it right is that what happened with you if you think to a situation like that yeah I mean we've both been writing our books for a long time really (laughs) like years and different so the same book same book same yeah same and I had almost a full draft and then basically scrapped the whole thing this summer and started over that's so brave I love that I mean (laughs) not the fact to scrap it but so you're doing it for the integrity of it that that's totally yeah yeah well I like what you you said before you were telling your story about looking at things as temporary and I think sometimes it's we get so impatient and it's really difficult to see six months as temporary or something with no foreseeable end as temporary. But, you know, that's, that is how it is, right? right? You know, I read the other day talking about how we tend to sort of see challenges as like walls and, you know, maybe they're just obstacles and you can keep going, but it just might take a bit longer to get around them or past them. Yeah. But not to give up, I guess, is is where you know it's you sit back in figurative child's pose and wait yeah yeah but that's really hard really hard I think it's hard not just because it's hard but because what you are saying and what we're relating to now isn't showing itself so it's not like Mm. oh I know this is hard but actually my greater awareness is telling me it's going to be all right no no, it's hard because (laughs) in that moment that's it's all it is it's hard and you want it and you know yeah releasing yourself from those desires is not easy that's why you know they they call it <laughs> enlightenment it takes a million lifetimes to get there right that's it and and, and then you wonder what it is anyway <laughs> but yeah i like um i think also that the this idea that wolves or difficulties we know that they are character strengthening stuff for sure mm. and that they teach us things but i do like to leave a also a little category of Sometimes this is where your acceptance comes in. It it might mean we do have to take another avenue or mm, step back yeah. from something completely or let it go. So I think again, perhaps time is the the best teller of that. But but often we don't have the time or uh, let's say um, I don't know if um, if something's really testing you and your choice might be to sit with it wait um maybe cut yourself some slack and whether that means perhaps not having a productive writing period or your yoga practice changes or your meditation practice seems more difficult and you you buy that out but it it might also be a case of something's not working um and you do need to intervene or make a decision or if this makes sense so it's 
one of the key texts that first mentions yoga, Bhagavad Gita, and it refers to yoga as skillful thinking. So, I mean, I love reading all these articles and getting these nuggets of wisdom, don't we? But it's, you know, everything is particular. In fact, the, the Tao is great for that and in yin-yang philosophy. That, you know, it's every situation requires a particular kind of approach and handling. So some of these walls might require a step back, some might require a be with it, some might require weight, but some might require, well, turn away, take another direction. You know? mm. um, I have a really good friend, she's a, she is a successful writer, we can say that without quotation marks, you know, seven, <laughs> seven or eight books published, you should get her on. When I mentioned to her about having written some chapters of a book, and uh, she said, right, give it to me. And I'm like, oh. Mm. She's won like Commonwealth prizes and all of this. Oh, God, you know, <laughs> what, 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 why have I even opened my mouth about this? And um, so, yeah, I know you've won some tea and she, you know, she said, Give it to me. And I said, I tell you what, I'll give it to you if you promise me one thing. She said, Yeah. And I said, That you'll tell me to stop. <laughs> you think And um, I. I said that honestly, you know, I wasn't mm-hmm. making a joke, and um, but I wasn't expecting her reaction. She's a you know, huge-hearted, magnanimous song. She said, "Yeah, don't worry, I will." <laughs> 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 so, and that's the confidence of a writer. She also teaches creative writing at London University. So, but that I think that that's her experience shining through. That you know, she she has come across people who perhaps are um, whether it's a fiction or what have you, and maybe it's a lot of time and energy. And, emotional investment as well as literal right so bringing that back to what we're saying you know there might be sometimes like you say you you dumped your first draft or whatever it was that's that's quite something right you didn't wait and see if maybe that you were just on having a moment or going through a phase of questioning yourself or looking for perfection you just thought that actually in that moment you needed to or not in that moment but the the skillful application of your awareness was well no to, to start over and that yeah it was pretty clear that it was really bad <laughs> yeah me too um ladies i have to jump off on another call but this was super fun and i want to continue basically for a week no thank you i hope yeah as i said i, hope, I just hope whoever listens you know enjoy this the main thing isn't it i know we've enjoyed it wow so I could have talked to her for a long time and I'm definitely going to be buying her coffee and chatting with her more when I'm next back in London. For me, the reason that I brought her on really, and we didn't touch on it that much, but it definitely flowed through the whole conversation, was that one of the things that she said has always stuck with me while I was writing. And that was that the yoga idea, this yogic idea of sort of the balance between effort and relaxation in poses so you know not always striving like yoga isn't about like being the best at a pose or whatever and and so it's sort of about finding this place within the pose where you're putting in effort but then also relaxing while you're in that space and that balance is so important I think to writing as well because uh, you do need to find also this balance between you know pushing yourself to write or being uh, kind of striving to do the best writing that you really can but also to be relaxed and kind of as conscious and kind of present as you can be in that space as well. So that was the thing that kind of always has played through my head that she was always talking about or often talking about in our yoga class. And so that was the reason I wanted to have her on. Uh, What did you think? I definitely think the same thing. And the cool thing is that it's not first you strive and then after you strive, then you relax and you enjoy. It's not like a sequential thing. It's you're doing the, them both simultaneously, which is the challenge. Uh, but to me, balance isn't like doing one thing and then switching and doing another. It's like we're not writers from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. And then we do our day jobs and then we do our other things. You have to be kind of all things all the time and different things take the four at different points. But we've all been there where we're working away and, you know, our book stuff is just sort of bubbling along in the background. And that whole concept of of holding like you're striving and also you're like relaxing into it. Um at the same time, because I tend to get way too strivey. In fact, so I went for a run after after our conversation, which those of you who watched my Instagram story last week will have already heard some of this. But I guess because I was, it was like such a great conversation that we had with her. And so I went for a run, and I don't like to listen to mu- music or anything. I'm way behind on podcasts. So I listen to way fewer of them because <laughs> I 
don't even take my phone with me on my run because well I run places where that are like really populated so I don't have to worry about needing it but um because I like to just look around and notice and like concentrate on myself my body and all those things but also sometimes I'll like give myself a, a thing to think about about like a problem I'm trying to solve in my book or whatever so I always take something to write on to write these things down and this is Really a really long explanation for something that's not <laughs> that complicated. <laughs> oh, man. Do a four-part series. To be fair, I think it's shorter than on the Instagram story. <laughs> yeah, that was really long. <laughs> no, like, but it, like, it was suspenseful. I, really liked <laughs> I went in really different places multiple times. <laughs> so anyway, so one of the things that I was, um, when I headed out to run, I was just still thinking about what Divya said about some, you know, you sit down on the mat to like be present and be in it. And you sit down at, at your work, at your writing to be present. And it's a practice. And I was like going out and trying to think about thinking about that as I was running, I was realizing that I was like running, I was, I was running too hard, if that makes sense. Like my body mm-hmm. was moving, like my leg, I was, my stride was like super long and you know, it just wasn't feeling right because it was really too fast. Basically, this is a weird mental image, but I felt like my legs were like outrunning the rest of my body and I wasn't keeping myself like aligned and I wasn't keeping myself staying up with myself. And so I had to like consciously shorten my stride. But anyway, this is all a big metaphor for writing and taking on, <laughs> taking on too much. <laughs> Uh, and how we need to sort of be aware of what we're trying to accomplish in the time that we have and how fast we're going to push through it or not push through it. And like, you want to push your boundaries. Like the run was hard. It was hard enough to push me, but not, you know, once I sorted out my stride, it wasn't so hard that it was going to make me like puke at the end. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and we never want to puke at the end of our writing, I guess is where I'm going with that. Well, and maybe you do every once in a while, but like if that's your lifestyle, I would, I really liked <laughs> what I really liked was that this idea I'm always like what is the right level of effort right like this I mean yes. I didn't ask we didn't ask her that but that is kind of my way of engaging with life right and as a perfectionist or anything actually but as a perfectionist that is the question I always want to know is like what is the right way to do this thing anything that's new especially pour it all in all of like effort all the time is kind of how I feel which is terrible. Well, it's like, what is the right thing, right? Yeah. So it doesn't, it could be like, what can I get away with or whatever? But anyway, it's like, what is, what should I be doing? Um, and I just really like the way that her answer to so many of those questions that we were kind of hinting at, although not directly asking, was like, well, check in with yourself. Does it feel like it's the right level of effort? Or, you know, to sort of say like, am I supposed to be writing or am I supposed to be living in the silence or whatever? And so like, I just really like that. And it felt brave, like radically brave to me because I don't listen that much to, like, I'm not real, I, like, I want to say that I do listen to myself, but I'm not really checking in in that way and like trusting what I say back as much as I should. Agreed. It's definitely hard. These are all things that sound simple, but are hard to do. But mm-hmm. when you get them right, they're so right. Yeah, completely. So I think in terms of like the reason that we are doing this episode in general is that we wanted to kind of in December especially as we sort of approach the holiday season for a lot of people there is a bigger need for self-care and so we thought there was actually a bigger need to kind of take some of these messages regardless of what you think about yoga or mindfulness or anything else but I definitely think that there are messages here that you can take away and apply and just really think about are you afraid and therefore kind of pulling back and is it something that maybe you can try to relax into but still put the effort into the pose right or are you actually injuring yourself in some way by pushing yourself too hard or you know do you actually really need to honor the silence or honor some other thing that's going on and just not right so anyway the point is I think if you're conscious about what you're doing and why like that's really the most important thing so speaking of checking in with ourselves what's up with you this week Olivia (laughs) (laughs) Um, well this week has been tough I did a very grueling two weeks of travel and after coming back from Thanksgiving I've like I was really jet lagged and I haven't had tons of motivation this is also about effort and relaxation so I think I've been mentally thinking about the effort and not just like relaxing and deciding I'm gonna write right instead it's like oh I have to write and there's like a lot of weird voices in my head (laughs) (laughs) they sound a little bit like what I just said and so I kind of wrote through the rest of the plot which is not there's not tons more and so that made me feel a little bit better but I still haven't written very much so this month November I only did like 
6,800 words or something, which is about half of what I've been doing. But I mean, it is what it is. And I traveled really intensively for two weeks. So I guess it's not a surprise that 50% of the month I was basically in the air and 50% of my words are gone. So there's a good correlation probably. But I do, I'm still holding on to the dream that I can finish next month well and if you don't you're still going to be farther along at the end of the month than you are right now even if you don't put another word down like you have added experiences to your life oh thanks yeah still need to write some freaking words (laughs) i'm not letting you (laughs) off the hook don't get complacent or lazy Um. (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah no No, i i have a couple of writing weekends planned basically one on my own and one with my husband so hopefully it's going to be amazing i'll keep you posted that's good. Yeah, I'm. I love the whole DIY writing thing, like we talked mm-hmm. about in that episode with Alicia. In fact, if you haven't listened to her follow up episode on her own podcast, Scratch Paper, it's a really good one. She did her own episode because she said she realized there were some things that she wanted to say that she thought of after the fact, and so she goes into a little more detail about it, and it's really fun and helpful. So highly recommend that one. Cool. And we'll link it in the show notes. And so, what about you? Yeah, what did what about me? So <laughs> I actually did more than I expected to do um, at Thanksgiving. And it was one of those situations where like what I um, what I planned didn't happen at all. And I let myself not stick to my plan, but just to go with what I was feeling. And I posted about this on Instagram last week, but I realized as everyone was just kind of sitting around in my living room and the kids were playing games with my brother's girlfriend and like my husband was asleep on the couch and I was like flipping through my phone and it was boring because that usually is boring if you do it too much. And I opened up Scrivener because there's an iPhone app for Scrivener and I opened it up and just started looking at my book and it ended up being so much easier to take notes to like make my own like edit notes on my book by looking at it that way rather than on my computer because I wasn't tempted to um, start making the changes because it's a real Mm -hmm. pain to type with thumbs. Uh, (laughs) But it was like enough where I could, you know, I could mark it up and I could make comments and I could make notes and it was all in there and it like syncs to the cloud and it's on my computer and it was like amazing. And I got through just in like a few hours, this ridiculous amount of my manuscript and ended up finishing the edit notes for my manuscript on Saturday after Thanksgiving because it was on my phone and we're just sitting around and people are playing on their phones anyway so that's what it looked like I was doing but it's perfect it was like four solid hours of work it was amazing like right in the middle of everything um but Mm. I haven't done anything with it because while I was doing that I was not working on the index that was due this morning or due at some (laughs) point today um and I always like to turn things in early and so that was kind of stressing me out this week but I got it turned in first thing this morning but yeah that just meant that I had to work late last night or work late all week long and Mm. even if like I've said before even if I quit working at like 9 30 it still makes it hard for me to go to sleep and then blah 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 so I haven't worked on my book at all this week. It's boring. I don't even want to talk about it. It's okay. Maybe it's fermenting those edits. Well, and I have a, I mean, I have like a map now. So, Mm -hmm. and edits are, I don't know, I'm weird. Edits are fun because you don't have to really think about it. I mean, you do, but it's like the answer is right there. It's like, you need to insert something about the old neighbor who lives next door. And it's like, okay, I'm going to do that now. You know, like, it's not like, what do Mm. I do next? Yeah, yeah. That's what I think takes up more energy. I'm super excited to be in a kind of more edit phase. Plus cutting. I love cutting. I don't know what it is, but like... Anyway, there's this great Mary Carr quote that I'm going to misquote, but um, we'll just put it in the show notes. But it's something along the lines of like, if you don't cut you know, 2000 words, you don't have 200 that are worth, uh, we're trying to keep our non-explicit rating. <laughs> and it's so true. And there's something like, so this is like my writing process, just like spill all kinds of like ridiculous garbage out and then like cut 10 minutes down to one. But sometimes it's the only way to get through, honestly. Like sometimes it's like, yeah, you just have to start writing some crap and then you can put the rest in. Actually, you know, I wish I, I don't do it so much in fiction, but in nonfiction, I remember in college, I used to just write literally like sometimes five pages of like some thoughts basically and paragraphs like I thought they might be real paragraphs and then eventually I'd be like that's where the paper starts you know yeah and then I just delete it all and be like okay you go in the bin basically except I didn't say bin because I was in Texas I didn't even know the word bin but it's it is it's (laughs) like there's something so liberating about cutting when you're cutting for a purpose because you you're cutting all of the stuff that you know now 
doesn't fit yeah. because, because you know what should fit if that makes sense yeah like yeah yeah you're like seeing the shape of your story now by cutting it's just so wonderful cutting for no reason that's no fun no to- cutting because like you have some stupid number of words that's boring but cutting because although sometimes that's also a really good discipline but cutting because of the story I have a scene where I'm like why did I even write that but I think it was probably just so I could like get out of the previous scene um it's like I and mean, maybe I can use it I don't know and then I also have like handwritten notes all over my notebook that are like, WTF happened to this character? Like he got shot. Now, like we haven't heard anything about him for 10, like 10 chapters. <laughs> yeah. I have one of those problems to fix this week. Nobody got shot, but the mean girl just like disappears after like being mean. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> There's no consequences. It's just like a mean girl. So I, it's an, it's fun. And then this week coming up, I have the easier writing time. You sound like you also do. I think so. So far, we'll see what happens because, you know, this is not the end of the week for us yet. I could get emails tomorrow that ruin next week for me. Agree. Same. Not ruin. They change next week for me. How's that? <laughs> Reframing. <laughs> Working on work. being more positive. Yeah, it changes your plans. Yeah. In sometimes a negative way. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, everybody, please subscribe to our tiny letter. There's loads of content that you're missing out on if you don't. And like, we don't just rehash the podcast. Uh, we barely even talk about it. And also follow us on Instagram, Marginally Podcast. That's also the name of the tiny letter. And you can also just sign up on our website, which is www.marginallypodcast.com or email us at podcast at marginallypodcast.com. We're really easy to find. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Marginally is produced by the two of us, Megan and Olivia. So excuse any amateur issues. We're working on it. Theme music is It's Time by Skarika Rikaska. Show notes for every episode are available at marginallypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Yeah, no, you don't sound like a monster in this one. Did you ever hear the one where I did sound like a monster?